Well, bond yields are rising even higher, and that 50 basis point hike by the Fed seems even more likely. So how long will this go on for? Well, the Aussie jobs market wasn't quite as strong as expected. The same for US retail sales, and they're not doing as much shopping in China either, and the ECB aren't in a hurry to move. So will the Fed keep pushing, even if it looks like demand might be starting to ease? There's such a warning from the IMF on that today. It's Tuesday, the 19th of April, 2022. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, the US dollar is climbing ever higher. Got over 100.8 on the DXY index overnight. That's the highest, apart from a short lift at the start of the pandemic. Before that, we are back to 2017 levels. Again, it was there only fleetingly. Otherwise, we're back to 2003. So, yes. The US dollar is strong right now. So no surprise then that the Aussie dollar is lower. It's down 0.6% overnight to 73.5 US cents. The euro is down a quarter percent today. The pound down 0.4%. US stocks that were trading on Monday have seen a uh, slight rise, but largely that a fall. They closed uh, down lower. The Nasdaq and the S&P 500 and Dow all down just 0.1% at close. Although Twitter up over 7.3% as Elon Musk prepares to buy all of them. That is getting very dirty with the board wanting to follow the poison pill approach of issuing more shares as Musk buys them. As he buys them, they issue more. Uh, And bonds also trading on Monday. They saw their yields rising higher again, just three basis points up for 10-year treasuries, but that takes it up to 2.85%, up to late 2018 levels. And of course, it's the speed at which they are climbing that is so different this time. And oil has been climbing again uh, since the start of last week. It's been on the rise. Uh, WTI is around $108 now. Brent climbing 1.2% overnight. It's now back over $113. It's not just the war in Ukraine creating the problem. Uh, There's been a shutdown of an oil field in Libya as well, which has basically knocked out half a million barrels a day. Uh, That's not helping. Uh, But what is affected by Ukraine? Wheat prices. They had peaked at 1300 a bushel. Uh, then they fell to $1,000, and now they're climbing back again, around 1125 So that means they're up 50% since the start of the war. And the fact they're back on the rise presumably suggests that there's no great expectation that things are going to pick up in a hurry. Uh, no sign that the war is going to finish early. Ukraine readying itself for an onslaught on Donbass, of course. Russia now striking, striking Lviv in the west. And they claim they've destroyed a large depot of Western arms that have been supplied to Ukraine. So that's what's happening there. Let's see what's going on in the markets uh, around the world with NAB's Tapper Strickland in Sydney. Tell you a lot has happened since we last spoke. Uh, So let's get through them. First of all, US retail sales weaker than anticipated. I think cars have a lot to do with that. But also jobless claims ticking up a little too. So uh, a couple of signs of weakness there. So is there a danger that the Fed, you know, who are all gung ho, are they gung ho in a climate where things might actually be starting to slow a little? Uh, Good morning, Phil. It has been a quite incredible ride in markets on Thursday and on Monday when most of the rest of the world was was on on holidays and you know there the u.s retail sales figures and they they did uh disappoint a little bit um just worth noting the core control measure which is a good proxy for um the components that feed into consumption in the gdp figures uh they fell by 0.1 percent month a month and that's its second consecutive month of decline so it does suggest maybe that real in- income squeeze from from higher inflation um higher uh market yields is starting to impact on the US economy at the moment and you're also starting to get some anecdotes coming through the freight and the logistics companies uh, suggestive of a little bit of slowing occurring in the transportation space there so i think that is enough to keep 
concerns alive that the U.S. economy is is slowing and could potentially slow a little bit more than what uh, most forecasters are expecting at the moment. Um, but when you look at the big factors that really drove markets since Thursday, the three main ones was the uh, Fed's Williams, who spoke on Thursday, and yields lifted quite sharply after his words hit the headlines. Uh, the second one is um, China's lockdown is now encompassing something around 26% of the entire population, and which is equivalent to around 40% of GDP. And then the other one really is what's going on with the oil price. As you noted in your intro, the Brent oil price is now hovering around that $113 a barrel. So we're seeing this expectation still that the Fed is going to lift 50 basis points. And yet we are perhaps seeing a, a, a sign, you know, that the economy is, is going to slow because of rising prices. We're not, you know, people are not buying as much. It's almost doing the job for the Fed. And yet here they are gung-ho still talking 50 basis points i mean we've got jerome powell uh, i think he's going to talk twice on thursday i think the expectation is there he is going to reinforce that message even more uh we certainly had john williams uh offering that message uh over the weekends you would have thought if there's if there's a sign of weakness maybe there'll be a, be a bit of caution from the fed maybe they'll say well okay maybe we'll hold off on 50 it's, it's really interesting you phrase it that way and there was some thought within some market participants that with inflation so far above average that the Fed would also be looking at its full employment mandate and may not uh, lift rates into restrictive territory if you did see a little bit of weakening occurring in the real economy. But importantly, the Fed's Williams really quashed any thoughts that the Fed was willing to tolerate a period above 2% inflation. He said, we have a 2% longer run goal and we're going to get back to 2%. Uh, so I think that reinforces that the Fed's focus is solely on inflation at, at this point and growth is more of a secondary concern here. And so they're really going to try and get inflation back down towards that 2% target. Uh, and then the other factor that I think markets were reacting to in terms of William's comments were his uh, comments around real interest rates. And uh, he noted that we need to get real interest rates back to more normal levels by next year. And we may need to go a little above that depending where inflation is. And that's quite important just given that the five-year and 10-year uh, real yields are used um, relatively commonly in a lot of asset valuations, particularly in equities. And when you look at the 10-year real yield, it has moved quite a lot over the past couple of weeks, and it's currently at negative 0.09%, so almost breaching that positive territory. And it's just worth noting, if um, the Fed's Williams is thinking of real yields being closer to where they were in the last hiking cycle, uh, the 10-year tip yield averaged positive around 0.5 to 1% there. So I think that did fear a little bit uh, for the equity investors. And when you look at US stocks, uh, last week, they were down 2.1%, and uh, they've been trading between red and green today, and I think in the last hour of power, they've just dipped into the red. So we've got the IMF warning that, uh, you know, we've got rising private debt. They've revised their forecast. They're saying, you know, for China and the rest of the world, particularly in the rest of the world where interest rates are rising, uh, if people have got private debt, then they're going to deleverage. Stands to reason, doesn't it? Uh, you know, if you see rates going up, then you try and get your debt down. They say deleveraging is going to cut 0.9% off uh, GDP in advanced economies and more in emerging markets. You would have thought that would be another warning sign to think, well, if there's demand uh, uh, destruction happening as we lift rates, then maybe we need to be a bit more cautious. And that's certainly the approach being taken with the ECB, isn't it? So Christine Lagarde on, on Thursday sounding very dovish. She said, downside risks to the growth outlook have increased substantially as a result of the war in Ukraine. Uh, so, you know, they're not in any rush. No clear idea, actually, of when they're going to finish their QE program. No, she's sent to kind of gave that guidance that um, by 
by September. Um, so that would suggest that if there were to be a rate hike, it probably is going to be um, around in the last quarter of 2022. And that did go against mm. a little bit against what, what markets were expecting. They were really part of the reason why the euro fell quite sharply on Thursday. Uh, the key difference between Europe and the US is where the source of inflation is coming from. So in the US, it's quite clear the source of inflation has broadened out towards the services side and is also being picked up in the wages side. In Europe, in contrast, yeah. a lot of the inflation is coming from the, uh, from the energy side. And it's just very unclear, given so much inflationary pressure coming from energy prices, what impact that will have on the real economy. And I think the ECB is very cognizant that uh, raising rates and higher energy prices could see quite a sharp slowing in the eurozone economy so i think they're going to be in fairly watch and see mode just to see exactly how the economy responds to dramatically higher energy prices and just on that note just worth noting we do get the global pmis which give a good indicator of growth momentum for april on friday well the ecb they've got their survey of professional forecasters and uh, i'm not quite sure how professional they are because they've changed a lot from one quarter to another they've gone from uh, predicting uh, gdp growth of three percent this year to uh, inflation say should say going from three percent to six percent this year in one quarter and they've taken gdp down from four to 0.2% to 2.9%. It gets down to 2 I mean, that is quite an adjustment, isn't it? But also, uh, you know, GDP dropping by that amount because of uh, the, the effects of inflation primarily and the demand destruction from that. That is, I mean, that is a completely different kettle of fish to what they're seeing in the United States. I just can't help thinking one of them's right and one of them's wrong. Uh, yes, uh, it, it, it could be. And I think markets are still pricing in uh, that peak in the Fed fund cycle being in uh, mid-2023 and the Fed embarking on rate cuts um, in the second half of next year. Um, so it, it does seem to suggest that at least the Fed's focus at the moment is definitely on the inflation side and the ECB's focus is both on inflation and on growth. All right. Now, uh, we'll talk about China in a second. Very quickly, the Aussie labour force numbers back on Thursday seems so long ago now, doesn't it? Um, they were a bit weaker than expected, but I guess we shouldn't be too alarmed because the weather hasn't been too great. That will have, I mean, that certainly impacted hours work, didn't it? Yes, definitely. And the other interesting aspect of that is that when you look at it in unrounded terms, the unemployment rate did fall by almost a, a full tenth, uh, but on the rounding barrier, it was uh, 3.955. So it just rounded up to uh, 4%. Um, and of course, that is very esoteric. But the key thing there is the unemployment rate overall is at 4%, equal lowest since 1974. So it does suggest a fairly tight labor market there. Uh, it doesn't really give a smoking gun for the RBA to go a little bit earlier than what they're currently guiding, which is probably June. Right. Um, there, had, there had been some thought if we did get a stellar labour market data, then that may force the RBA's hand a month earlier in May. So probably not going to happen. All right. So we'll wait for another month. Now, interesting numbers from China yesterday. It seems like despite the lockdowns, although actually these numbers are largely before the lockdowns, they're still producing, just not buying. So the GDP growth rate uh, was a bit higher than anticipated. Fixed asset investment is down, but, it, uh, but not as much as expected. Uh, so not that bad. But retail sales way down and the unemployment rate has ticked up a little as well so more of an excuse for more easing by the central bank which uh, they actually did on on at the end of last week they uh, they cut rates but only by 25 basis points yes so the situation in china is really interesting and it's almost turning to a hotel california situation where china has been immensely 
successful in containing COVID-19, but because of that success, it's finding it very hard to pivot away from that zero COVID strategy. And the worrying thing is there doesn't seem to be anything on the near-term horizon that would allow them to, to do that pivot. And just worth noting, a few analysts out there have calculated that almost 24% of China's population or 373 million people are in either partial or full lockdown. And that accounts for about 40% of GDP. And importantly, that's up from 193 million a week earlier. So it does suggest that the near-term outlook for China is dimming fairly sharply, just given the projected nature of the lockdowns, especially the lockdown that we're seeing around Shanghai. And when you look at the monthly activity figures that came out uh, yesterday, it was really the retail sales that grabbed the headline there. And retail sales seasonally adjusted month on month fell by 1.9% and was down 3.5% year on year. Um, and that really overshadowed the monthly, uh, sorry, the quarterly beat in GDP, which was 1.3% Q on Q versus 0.7% expected. So markets quite clearly seeing the economy is set to weaken quite sharply over the next couple of months uh, and indeed will remain weak until mm. China starts to pivot away from its zero COVID strategy. And until they do that, however they do that, we are going to have this this problem that, you know, whatever they're supplying uh, to the rest of the world, we're going to see supply chain difficulties and that's just going to add to the inflation problems. Uh, in- indeed, and also could possibly add to demand destruction as well uh, in, in in many parts as well. Because if you can't get the, the parts, then people may just choose to rather than delay, just not undertake that uh, specific type of economic activity as well. Well, not a lot today, is there? We'll hear from Governor Orr from the RBNZ this morning, uh, and uh, he's giving a talk. Uh, New Zealand tackling inflation during uncertain times. Uh, This comes after their 50 basis point rate rise last week. And uh, the RBA minutes. I suspect we're not going to get much out of either of those, are we? Uh, For the RBA minutes, you may get a little bit uh, in terms of whether the RBA is still or is actually thinking about whether to hike rates in May rather than June. Um, so we'll be looking quite closely there, whether there's any hints there. Um, the the post-meeting statement was pretty explicit in kind of penciling in June, um, saying that they were waiting for important additional evidence on both inflation and the evolution of labour costs. And all those figures are out by the June board meeting for the RBA. Um, and just worth noting also, it's the uh, election season, obviously, in Australia at the moment. And just worth noting, the betting markets have narrowed quite sharply, and the coalition government is now neck and neck with the opposition at $1.88, according to sports bet. Right. That makes it more exciting, doesn't it? So I, I would ask you about rising bond yields, how much higher they're going to go. I asked you that last week, and you said, yes, they will, as whether we could get up to 3%, and we've uh, seen them rise ever since. So uh, presumably 3%, here we come. Uh, but if we are seeing that, uh, and the, the impact that it's having uh, on uh, falling equities, can that be offset by a strong set of earnings results? Because, of course, we're in the middle of earnings season now. Or is just the, the, the power of those rising bond yields uh, too strong to to offset any strong earnings result that we might oh, see? Definitely. And we did get Bank of America reporting last night, and they were a little bit better than expected. Uh, but then the S&P 500 is obviously just is, incrementally He is down, basically, it, yeah. It remains to be seen. Um, if you do have bond yields and talk of Fed officials needing to go into restrictive territory, um, then uh, it's it's unclear the extent to which profit reporting season can offset those those headwinds there. All right, very good. Another interesting week ahead for us all. Good to talk, Taphouse. Catch you soon. Thanks. Uh, cheers. Uh, thanks, Phil. These are certainly interesting times, aren't they? And we'll be back again to cover it all tomorrow morning. I'm Phil Dobby for NAB. Thanks for listening. I'll see you then. <laughs>